Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Today on the podcast is one of the stars for the Australian Dolphin swim team over in Fukuoka at the World Champs, coming home with three medals, including a bronze in the 1500, silver in the 800, and a gold on night one in the 400 metres freestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome back to Off the Block Swing podcast the new 400 metre freestyle world champion, Mr. Sam Short. Sammy, how are you, mate? I am good. Thanks for having me on. Very good introduction. It should be a WWE coming. Yeah, I know. Listen, I get excited with the, you know, Bruce Buffer and the UFC and all that sort of stuff. I can't compete with, you know, they've just got it patterned down, but no, (laughs) I think sometimes it should be that way. You know, when you guys get introduced, you're the world champion. Those guys get to walk out with belts and they get all the big pomp and circumstance. Yeah, you guys get and and world champion, Sam Short. Thanks for joining us. I mean, I think it needs more than that sometimes. So I'm glad to bring that to you today. I'm glad that tickled you a little bit. How are you going anyway, mate? Uh, really good. Um, getting back in the training at the moment. I uh, had like three weeks off. Um, it's like building back into things, catching up on a bit of uni and yeah, just soaking it all up and enjoying it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. What's what's training look like at the moment? I've caught up with a few swimmers since everyone's been back and people sort of doing one-a-days and 3Ks or slowly getting back into it. What's your uh, schedule look like as you slowly get back into it? Yeah, pretty light on. Uh, I just did spin and gym on the first week, which was two weeks ago. Last week, maybe did six swim sessions um, and three gym sessions. Um, the swim sessions didn't go over 5K. And then this week, probably do... Uh, I think seven, 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 yeah, seven swim sessions or, or eight, maybe see how I'm feeling and three <laughs> gym sessions as well. And yeah. um, pretty low volume, but still hitting speed. And surprisingly, I almost am swimming faster in the sprint stuff at the moment as I was pre uh, worlds. Yeah. Must be holding my taper pretty well. And then <laughs> uh, next week, I'll probably start picking up the volume a bit uh, for like a five week block because I'm planning on going to. Budapest for the uh, one world cup leg. Yeah, nice. It's I'll get to it later with the sort of the lead up to trials and and Paris 2024 because there's so many different events, things coming up. People aren't going to this. People are going to this, and it's a a varied road. Um, In terms of a break, what did what did you get up to? I went to Tassie for a couple nights with uh, my girlfriend and saw my mate Max Giuliani. He swims at Miami, so he he's from Tassie, so. Went and stayed with him for a little while, had a good time, uh, caught up with friends, um, did a little bit of, you know, what, 19-year-olds guys yeah, get yeah. up to, partied a little bit. Um, yeah. Just good fun, you know, seeing everyone and being a normal guy for a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's important, isn't it? And I guess you've um, been around for such a long time in terms of swimming and, and the development of it and, and you, you know, doing uh, a thousand sessions at a younger age. And um, so certainly having time away from it once you've been there and you've done it. So it's certainly not in the middle of the training. You know, you got to world champs, celebrate, you've done a good job. It's important to have a bit of time away from it, isn't it? And have you, have you found that over time as you've gotten older? I mean, um, you know, I've, I've known you for quite a number of years now, but certainly the Sam that I remember is a lot younger than the Sam that's out there now enjoying himself on the weekend. 
Um, have you learned over time and, and as you've matured that it's important to, okay, yeah, get stuck into work? Because you can be quite focused and dogmented when you want to be, and certainly I can't see that have changed since I've met you. But have you learned over time that, okay, I need to make sure I have a little bit of time away from that as well to clear my head and um, sort of have a good balance, if that makes sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like Damien Jones, my coach at Rackley, he um, is very big on, you know, when it's time to knuckle down, you knuckle down and you really focus. But you can only hold that for so long. And so after World Championships, he really said to me, he's like, we're not putting the, we're not pushing the pedal down too early, too soon. I thought we we got to have a big next year. Next year is huge. Yeah. And he, he told me, he's like, I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to see your friends. When you catch up, I catch up with a uni and just make sure by the time, you know, January rolls around, you know, you're ready to fully commit and really see what we can do next year. So definitely as I get older, I've realized, you know, you can't just put your head down and just keep chugging along because, you know, it gets tiring and, you know, look at someone like Caleb Dressel. I'm sure he's, you know, he had a COVID year and he was, training for an Olympic year over like what three years and mm. it really takes a toll on everyone. So I'm sure I'll learn a bit more about that in the future, but thanks to Damien, I've definitely got on that pretty early. Yeah, no, it's good to hear mate. And as you said, yeah, there's no doubt there's, it's important to stay driven and focused and uh, around the important times of where it's needed, but it's also for balance. Um, as you said, finding that way of being able to, um, have fun away from the pool as well, which you sound like you did over in Tassie and having a good time after World Champs, which you thoroughly deserve, by the way. Now let's get to um, World Champs, but just before it with trials, I always like to start just with trials and how you felt coming into the meet um, down in Melbourne. A lot of different athletes have very different um, lead-ups to, to World Champs trials or Olympic trials. Some are injured, some are feeling really good, some are hopeful, some are pretty, um, you know, confident that they're going to get on there. How, how was the lead up for you into trials in Melbourne? And, um, you know, how did you feel heading in there? Um, felt very confident. Uh, I was putting some in, some of the best sessions I've ever done together and really crunching every session and just building and building on that confidence. And I was doing that for like four months, five months out from the trials. And I went in there ready to go. I wanted to race the best and put up some good times because I knew, you know, everyone from around the world tunes in and pays attention to the results that come out of Australian trials. Um, and, yeah, I went in there, swam pretty well, uh, 343 in my 400, um, uh, 740 in my 800 and little PB in my 1500. But I was very confident, trusted my preparation. And, um, yeah, even if a little hiccup did happen at World, I, I know I would have been able to get over the top of that. Mm. You're, um, I, I bring you up quite a lot in terms of talking to, to my own athletes because, you know, I was fortunate enough. I always think of it as um, I got the keys to the Ferrari on a Wednesday morning when Rich would give us the set and you'd fire away. And I didn't really do anything other than read times and give you a rate, which I also mentioned to my swimmers. I never really had to, a lot of the time, give rates or times because you were quite accurate at knowing what pace you were on and what rate it was. You quite, you quite Sometimes you'd even correct me. You sure that was the right rate? Um, yeah. Is that important for you in terms of your feel and, and, and understanding? And, and how does that come about? Is that just a natural thing? Is that something you've you've sort of concentrate on over time because you were pretty deadly accurate. I'm not going to lie. You know, you come in on 61 and you'd say, was that 61? I go, yeah, yeah, it was. So even before I mention it, now I'm not saying that to pump his tyres up, people. That genuinely happened. How, where does that feel come from? Is that something you always had or did you learn it over time? Yeah, I mean, as a distance swimmer, you constantly rep out, um, you know, pace, pace. And the trick of being a good distance swimmer is repping the same amount, you know, not going too fast at the start, not dropping off. And uh, I'm a very analytical person and I, you know, when I try and do something right, I try and, you know, do it the right way and know what I have to do. And even in training, I, love, I always keep my arm clock in like the corner of my eye when I breathe through it um, just to know where I am at and like those long thousands, like yeah. descends and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I love, you know, training the rate because I know, you know, the secret to my 400 and 800 and 1500 and 200 still a work in progress is um, being able to hold your rate when you're tired because, you know, when you're tapered and fresh, that rate's going to feel great and you're going to really be able to hit some speed. So I think just knowing and trusting that if I hit this rate and I, when you keep training the rate, you'll feel it. You know when, you'll know when you're on, you'll be, your hips will be high, you'll just be feeling 
light and easy and you'll be flying. And that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Yeah, well, it's definitely a talent, mate, because I've I've worked with a lot of swimmers over the years and there's not many that were able to be as deadly accurate as you were with your rates and time. So it's definitely a talent. Um, with the 1500 uh, at trials, how often did you ever get um, mentioned about, obviously, famously, uh, Con Games trials, you stopped 100 short. Does that get brought up to you a bit? Do people go, hey, Sam, don't forget to count your laps or is that sort of past yeah. now? No, definitely always brought up. Typically um, <laughs> in my household, like if my siblings and I have a little, little bit of a fight, you know, they'll just throw that one in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, and I know in the stands, like my friends and family that are watching always get worried. They're like, please don't stop. Like just finish the race properly. Um, so I'm always making sure I'll, I'm counting extra thoroughly now. And um, yeah, I'm, yeah, Make well, it's point. it's funny for people to give you shit about it, but I, I know from the average punter in the stand, they're probably very much on board with you going, cheers, it would be hard to keep account of all those laps. And then, you know, with your race plans and, and you know, whether you, if you might hear something, you might not, and you're getting wired. And I know sort of how you like to finish your race. And anyway, so, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that one up. Sorry, man, I don't, you know, I don't like to rehash it, but uh, it was just something I, I had a feeling it would get brought up to you quite a bit. Uh, switching gears now, you make the team. Um, we mentioned that and the road to Fukuoka and, and always, I think, again, for the average punter, um, it's a little bit different, isn't it? The road to trials and getting ready for trials and making the team versus, okay, I'm on now. Now I'm getting ready for the world champs. What was your preparation like once you made the team? Uh, and in terms of you've been there a little bit now in terms of Com Games and, and World Champs in 2022. So what was your mindset like this time? Did you come in with a little bit more experience and knowledge about the staging camps and all that sort of stuff? And, and is that sort of your switch on moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I felt a lot more experience and was I didn't feel out of my depth in the whole process just because I, I experienced all those emotions last year through the roller coaster of 2022. And um I was definitely a lot more confident. I mean, leading in the trials, I didn't drop my volume at all. Like the intensity dropped down, but I was still holding fairly high kilometers because as a distance swimmer, you can't, it's really hard to nail a double taper or hold the taper for a long time. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it was five weeks, maybe six weeks after trials before Worlds. And then we kind of had maybe three more weeks of really hard work and then really started to actually proper ta properly taper into the meat. And, I really felt my element. I um, was really keeping on top of, you know, my weight, my hydration, you know, because last year that was all my learning experiences and I didn't want to make the same mistakes twice. And, um, yeah, very happy how I conducted myself on that camp. You mentioned some of the learning experiences. What what did you think you didn't quite nail the year before? What did you pick up from your uh, experiences with the Com Games team? Yeah, definitely. Um, hydration. Uh, I didn't realize how hard it was to actually keep yourself hydrated when you're away on these trips and not get distracted. Uh, fuel, you know, the food's different wherever you go and you got to try and like you can kind of have different stuff every now and then, but you don't want to be ridiculous and start treating yourself everywhere and you got to try and keep everything the same. Uh, definitely. And obviously last year leading into commies, I actually had a melanoma removed out of my back. So this year that didn't happen. So it was way easier. <laughs> well, and, you know, to your point, and that's why I guess I go back and bring it up because a lot of uh, younger athletes, junior athletes go through these things where they're not paying attention, that sort of stuff, a long week of state where they're not staying hydrated or not fueling their bodies. And then, you know, by night four in the finals, they're not hitting their times and they're wondering what's going on. Oh, you didn't get my taper right. Well, hang on a second. You haven't been eating, drinking or sleeping. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, you know, sometimes it can come back to. So the Fukuoka experience itself mate what was it like outside of racing we'll get to racing in a minute but what what was japan like oh i loved it uh the food was amazing uh everywhere i went the food was great um i don't know they their rice over there is just built different i don't know why i hate <laughs> so much rice and um you know the fans the actual general public so respectful they love sport they really respect high performing athletes and i thought it was just amazing you know and the hotel we stayed at was great. Our staging camp in Saga, the hotel staff was amazing. Uh, and transport was conducted fairly well. Um, and I just thought everything was great. The hospitality was superb. I couldn't really fault it. Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad you say that. And I spoke to Kai Taylor last week and he pumped 
Japan's tires up as well because we're, I'm meant to be going there at some point in the future. My daughter wants to go to Disneyland and she's got these big plans of us going to. She's turning five, by the way, for the people listening. It's not like she's a 15-year-old. She's turning five, <laughs> but apparently we're going to Japan. So I'm glad you, I've never been. So um, off the back of world champs and then everyone coming back and telling me how, how good it was, um, I, I'm feeling excited about going. So who was your roommate over there anyway? Quincy Oven the whole whole way through, and that was that was really good fun, and uh, we're both pretty like minded, so it worked really well. Yeah, that's what I, uh, my next question was going to be. What's it like when you're rooming with someone? Like, did Flynn have any little sort of idiosyncrasies? Did you have anything that you know? For a lot of people out there, I think this gets missed a lot. That when you're rooming with somebody, you don't realise that you might have some little things. So, for example, for me, I've got I like to have an air conditioner on, or I like to watch a bit of TV before I fall asleep. But you know, if I'm rooming with you, you might be like, "Can you turn that off? I need to get to sleep. I've got something on in the morning." Is that something you've learned over time? Did you ever get that wrong with a roommate? Did did you and Flynn, I'm assuming, I know Flynn pretty well as well, and I think you two would probably get along pretty well and it would balance out. But uh, have you had any experiences there where you've learned sort of, okay, well, I've got a sort of yin and yang and zig and zag here with my roommate? Yeah, um, we were actually really close. Uh, it actually worked out really well. We actually got a team, like we had a little team dinner at the end, and we actually got the award of... Uh, best and most enthusiastic duo. Oh, look know. at that. It's very nice. Um, <laughs> I can see that, actually. I can see that. <laughs> you know, um, we're both aware that, you know, we're there to perform and, you know, we can have fun and muck around. But if one of us was like, all right, for real, dude, like I'm going to bed or yeah. I'm going to go get food, we're like, oh, yeah, fair enough. And just respect. And, you know, little things like eye masks, earplugs I bring just in case. Um, I let no, I let Flynn know, like, before we – selected our rooms like because like, you can put a preference in and i said yeah man i am a mouth breather just gonna let you know uh, <laughs> i'll do that's all right uh and we both like the air conditioning on as you know outside was super hot in japan so mm. it worked pretty well and you know, he's really good at his recovery and what he does to manage himself and i actually picked up a lot of tips from that like he is really good at managing himself outside the pool for particularly someone that only just turned 18 so yeah, no, he's he's very impressive, Mr. Flynn. And um, if he's, if anyone's listening to this, or if he's listening to this, good luck over at Junior Worlds because I know he's they're over there and getting ready. And it starts on the fourth of September over in Israel, yeah. so that'd be exciting for for Flynn. It's been a while; he hasn't been able to to um, race at a Junior Worlds because of through COVID and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, um, that'd be exciting for them to go over and and have a lash. Um, and I'm glad we, we sort of you mentioned that because I think sometimes it can get lost um, with all your um, sort of in the water and um, with their, all the what am I looking for? What's the word here? The performances. There we go. Um, all the stuff that happens behind the scenes, sleeping and eating and getting yourself right and getting yourself primed and ready. And uh, we can take it for granted. I think sometimes the average public who watch the screen and, and the effort that you guys have to go to to get your bodies and your machines ready to go. Speaking of which, let's get into it. Day one, the 400 freestyle heats. How'd that feel? Oh, excellent. I uh, had one goal. I really wanted to – obviously, I wanted to make the final, and I wanted not to make the final. I wanted to be in the middle, and I really wanted to, um, you know, swim at least 50% of the race how I wanted to swim in the final and see where that sits. I didn't think I'd go – I ended up going 342.4 in the morning, and I – Pretty sure that's the fastest heat swim ever, which isn't a flex at all because that's, <laughs> you don't want to be the fastest in the heat ever because you want to be the fastest in the final ever. So um, didn't think I was going that fast. Uh, felt excellent. First time I flipped out sub 150 at the 200 in the heat, 149.5, and won my heat fairly comfortably and I shut off with like 100 to go. And um, after that, I was like to Dan, I was like, like, let's go. Uh, this is great. <laughs> and he's like, just he didn't get excited at all. He's like, switch yeah. off. You got to switch off. You know, yeah. you've got eight hours to relax, and you've got to come back here and get ready to go again, but harder because, you know, top eight. I think, I think to seven was three forty four mid, and I think eighth was three forty five mid, and that is just ridiculous, ridiculously stacked. Um, and I was really pumped for the final. Yeah, well, and we'll get to that in a minute in terms of distance swimming at the moment, how competitive it is and how the fact that I think the 1500 came down to a closer margin than the 50-metre freestyle did. Um, so that's it's, it's very exciting to watch. Um, for you, though, in terms of tips for the, for the 
for the listeners, you've got a lot of heats and finals going on. You're managing emotions that, like you just said, you're feeling good, but you had to sort of switch off. And I know speaking to Ariane, you know, the 800s, her last event, but that's a big week. She's also got the, with the relay, which I'm sure during your career, you're going to come in and out of that 200 meter relay, depending on who's around you and where you're at, what you're training for, but it's going to be a big week. What, what are some of the tips that you try and implement for yourself? Um, given a massive program about, you know, making sure you're getting a good spot for the final, but not overdoing it, as you said, but then you've got to get up for the final. It's it's a little bit different for, for a 50 than a 1500 swimmer and an 800 swimmer and a 400 swimmer like yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think obviously you want you to make the final and you can't muck around at Worlds. Um, the 800 and 1500 is typically, I don't really see a problem in pushing it a little bit more because you do have, you know, 36 hours before the final. Mm. Whereas the 400, it's really hard to go two max seven 400s in a day. Yeah. So, like, if you look at most of the field, they had to really push. They had to go 344 to make the final. And not everyone was even under 344 mm. in the final because it's just so hard to make that final. And it's about managing it. I mean, I do harder stuff in training every week, day in, day out. So that's kind of what I fall back on. Uh, I was definitely more nervous for my first heat swim. I was actually more nervous for the first heat swim than I was for that final just because, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel or race before you actually do that first race. And, um, yeah, luckily for me, I was, you know, felt really, really good. Mentally, is it a matter of trying to switch off when you finish? As you said, you you were hyped, you're excited, like, geez, damn, I feel, I feel pretty good here. And he's sort of not playing it down, but just going, all right, let's let's move on. Like mentally, do you then have to switch gears and go, okay, follow my processes. So I've got to go swim down, then I've got to have hydrate, then I've got to eat. Is it a matter of doing that? Is that how you bring yourself sort of back down, level out? I, I, I sort of marvel at times watching, and especially if we go back to, say, Tokyo for someone like an Emma McKeon or Ariane or those swimmers who had so many highs, right? Like so many gold medal moments. They got a heat semis final, heat semi final. And when they were in there, sort of after um, race talk, always staying fairly level headed, which you came across that way too, don't worry, mate, except for the flexing. The flexing is, yeah, that's a bit different. Um, but you came across that way too. But I, I, I always marvel at you guys when you do that because it's such a high, but then you've kind of got to catch yourself and go, okay, all right, let's, let's enjoy this at the end. We've still got a big week. It's kind of sad in a way that you can't really celebrate the moment, but at the same time, you don't want to, um, you know, burn the rest of your fuel that you still need for your other races, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's something I've definitely learned a lot about as I got older. Um, if I was 18 in the same situation, I probably wouldn't have been able to back up race after race after race. Um, definitely, like I touched the wall after my heat, saw the time. I was like, that's really good. Got out, did like a couple of interviews, went, didn't really talk in the mix zone, straight to warm down, protein straight away, uh, eat. And then I was on the first bus out of there, basically, out straight away, got home big feed and in my room, did not think about swimming at all, blacked out the curtains, um, couldn't really sleep because I was a bit excited, but I really tried to switch off, walk, watch Walking Dead. Um, and that's a skill you learn over time. It's really hard for someone that first time ever there to to be able to do. Um, but that's something that, you know, the Kyle Chalmers, the Emma McKeons, the Ariana Titmuses, you know, kind of told me at the meet was, you know, it's a long week and you've got a lot of events. So, You've got to make sure you manage yourself. And Damien is obviously excellent on that as well. Yeah, well, you're in, yeah, you're getting great advice there from good company, mate. And, you know, we'll get to it now. The 400 final, uh, Ahmed Hafnawi, the Tunisian, who's the Olympic champion going in. Talk us about, talk to us about your race plan. Obviously, you, you've mentioned it before, you're very analytical and you would have had a, a, a very, um, I'm assuming, um, strong race plan going in. You had an idea of what you're going to need to do. I have no doubt you probably had an idea of what he was going to do time-wise as well and how you would have to counteract that. I can just imagine how your brain was working going into that race and how you had to balance it and, okay, I'm going to have to do this because he's probably going to do this. What was your race plan going into that 400 uh, and how did you think you executed that? Um, so I, I wasn't sure. Uh, I thought if anyone was going to um, – be pushing around the same time that I went. I thought the time that was going to win it would be a three forty-one low, and I thought I thought Lucas Mans was going to be the one to really get there because half now his PB going in was three forty-three 
low. Like he'd never been 342, never been 341. So he skipped both of those because <laughs> um, he didn't swim for two years. And like, mm. it's hard to tell with someone, you know, he wouldn't bet any money on that. So uh, I watched the sport. I've watched Thorpe's, all of his swims, Sun Yang's, all the greats. And Thorpe was the only one to historically take it out consistently sub 150 to 150 low. I think his fastest was 148.8. And he'd always go 340. He just kept doing it. And I knew to myself, if I'm going to stretch these boys thin, I'm going to take it out hard because I'd be really impressed if you come home in a 52 or a 53 if we're going out in 149. That is very hard to do. Yeah. So that was my game plan. Uh, that's what I wanted to do, really push the pace and just those middle that middle 200 split something crazy. Like I think I went 55, 56. And with 100 to go, my plan was just to race whoever is next to me and see what I can do. And at the 200, I remember seeing that half now he was out with me and I didn't expect him to be there at that point in time, but you know, I didn't freak out. I was like, all right, let's go. Like the race is on. I knew it was yeah. just going to be us two from that point. And I uh, didn't think it'd come down to that close to be honest, uh, but it got really close. It did. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. So what's that last hundred like in your mind now? Because you just mentioned that you thought, right, I'm going to take it out. And if, if anybody can come back at this pace, you know, good luck. That's pretty good heat. So you you obviously were a little bit confident going in that maybe no one was going to be as close in that last hundred, let alone pretty much on your shoulder saying hello to you on all the way back. Yeah. What was that last hundred for you mentally? Was it a matter of staying switched on, following the plan right to the end? Um, definitely uh, staying to my plan. And I'm a racer. That's what I do best. Like I'm a good trainer, but as soon as I'm in a race, that's when, you know, that I get the best out of myself every time. And it, it was a bit of a bit good feeling knowing I couldn't see anyone else but half an hour. So I was like, okay, I've at least got a medal here. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. unless I really stuff up, I've at least got a medal. And I think he actually ended up turning ahead of me at the on the last turn and uh, I could see him. I knew he comes home fast because I watched that four and three and I just wanted to see what I could do. I've really been practicing my closing speed and training because that was a very weak point of mine last year and I've just been practicing and practicing it. So I knew I could come home fairly fast uh, and then with like 25 to go, I could kind of see that he was like fading a little bit and I was like, oh, maybe I have, maybe I'm actually with the shot here. I knew he was a super tall dude. So yeah. I didn't want to leave it to a touch, like to a touch <laughs> yeah. spot because, you know, I think if you, I, I shouldn't win the touch. He's six foot five. So, um, he's a big man. But I ended up getting my hand on the wall first and I smashed my PB like 340.6. Like if I came second with the 340.6, I would have been as, like, not as happy, but really happy. Yeah. Well, as you said, mate, you absolutely smashed it. Um, it, it was a phenomenal swim and it was a great way to start the night. We'll get to that in a second with the Aussie team because it ended up being a historic night for the Australian swim team in terms of gold medals. Um, I'm interested and I know a lot of the listeners are, is there an art to a good bicep flex? Because, you know, you've you've certainly started patterning. I know, you know, King Kyle can do a good one too, but is, is there an art to it? I don't think I could quite pull it off. But is there something, do, is it about, you know, in the in the weights room, do you got to make sure you're still doing bicep curls, don't miss them? I know a lot of my boys do it. I, I still don't know what we're doing it for, but they love just getting a few reps in. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like pulling paddles, you know, those sessions just to get the arms looking good. Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, when I was growing up, I saw people win and start flexing and I'm just like, I, if I get ever in, in that situation, you know I'm going to get on that land rope and flex, like, you know, watching Adam Petey win the 100 breaststroke at Olympics. I know it wasn't Olympics, but he, like, he deserved to get on that lane rope and just show everyone that he's the absolute man. And I don't know, I'm like a guy, I, I, you know, I think it's pretty cool. You want to get up and show your muscles and what you train for, it's pretty cool. Um, so no, I, I, yeah, I, I feel, I understand, better. mate. You absolutely deserve it. And anyone that does, you know, those phenomenal um, sorts of splits and times and, and any of them, you know, I, I look at someone like Sarah Showstrom and she should be getting up there and flexing too. She's a she's a beast in the water. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, you guys absolutely deserve it. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think just personally I enjoy it, mate, because I know you so well. So it's always good to see you get up there and flex. Um, the vibes around the Australian team must have been high on night one. As I said, it was historic. I mean, you go out there, you do what you do. Ariane jumps in. She goes a world record. She does what she does in a race that was meant to be a very, very close one. She just blew everyone away. 
uh, and then the two relay teams as well. That that must have been a great vibe that night. But uh, again, I guess second part to this question is based off your answers already. Did you get to enjoy it much, or or was it a matter of you sort of you heard about it, but you had to sort of stick to your own plans and and processes as well? Yeah, I mean, I heard about it. I actually. Um walked out for my medal presentation i actually saw arnie in the room like like we, we like saw each other i was like said i did like a thumbs up good luck so for my medal presentation so i did get to watch that swim as i was going through like the media zones which i it was amazing i don't know why anyone doubted her i saw her training and like she's i i was not surprised that she swam the time that she did and that she yeah. won by that far because I, i'm surprised people can around in the first place yeah um, and you know, I didn't actually, I had to obviously stick to my, my race, um, sorry, my routine, what I had to do, like warm down. I actually watched the relays from the warm down pool, um, which is good enough. It was good atmosphere in there too. Uh, not as good as inside the complex. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. You know, everyone was swimming out of their skin. I think, you know, once that ball started rolling of everyone swimming well, it's like, get me in there. I want to do it. And I know Cam uh, McAvoy was like, he still, he didn't have his 53 till the end of the week and he's, mm. He's like, holy, like, everyone's swimming so well. I've got so long to wait. Um, it was just great. I love seeing everyone swim well, particularly when, you know, the girls, they're like the strongest ever field ever assembled. It was ridiculous. They could have probably used their B team and nearly won. And just watch them smash it and then watch all the boys get up and Kyle just swim through past everyone and win. It was just great. And it reminds, reminds me of all the clips I've watched from 2001, 2000 of all like the golden era boys and girls get up and um, yeah, it's just great. And I was, it's addicting. You know, I was really looking forward to getting back in there and to race again. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events and you'll see the arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that. Um, two things it's funny you mentioned. A, about the B team for the women's relay, because I've mentioned that before, and it's no disrespect to any of the other women's teams around the world. We are just flush with talent at the moment. The amount of talent at the top end versus also the amount of talent at the junior world's end. You know, some of those girls who are over in Israel now that are coming through that with 11 months training under their belt and growth and maturity, um, you know, they're going to be pushing to try and get a relay spot as well. Those times yeah. are just keep getting pushed and pushed. And I mean, I don't want to sound up ourselves in terms of, but good luck to anyone beating the women's four by one for a very long time because of just the standard across the board is phenomenal. You mentioned the boys as well. And we've got a lot of, you know, um, obviously phenomenal talented swimmers like Kyle Chalmers and um, Jack Cartwright, but you've also got Flynn coming through and Kai Taylor and a lot of these other younger swimmers who they're developing and maturing as well. I mean, no offence to Flynn, but when you see Flynn standing next to Kyle in the media scrum, you can see the very big size difference in terms of maturity. Yeah. So you know Flynn's got years of growth and, and strength yeah. and all that sort of stuff to come, which is exciting if you name Flynn Southam because it means you've got a, a lot more ahead of you as well. Um, but, yeah, and also the other thing that was funny you mentioned about just not being able to sometimes get in it because I spoke to Kaylee. Uh, about her week and she said the only time she got to be a fan was when she was a part of the relay team because she led off and then she got to watch from behind the blocks other than that she had to go through her routines and she never actually got to sit and and cheer people on so it gives a different perspective i think we always think that you guys are over there and you get to see everything and you get to watch everything but you know to your point you're watching things from the from the warm-up pool um but you do you mentioned another very interesting thing about um having that sort of next man up mentality. Was that something you saw throughout the week? It wasn't so much it was expected of you, like, oh, Sam, now that you've done this, we expect you to do something else. It was more that you wanted to step up and, and do your part for the team. Yeah, I mean, I just loved getting up for Australia and, you know, sh showing, you know, all my friends at home and my family at home and anyone that watches that, you know, get up and win a gold medal for my country and it was amazing and 
that gave me a lot of confidence for my 800 because that's I thought that's kind of my sweet spot almost. Um, I can really push it and last the whole way through, and I knew I could smash my PB in that, and I was already eyeing off potential times, and I knew it was, I was more excited because even before the heats even started, like just looking at the start list, I was like, this is the deepest men's distance has ever been ever. It will never get stronger than this. It'll, it is ridiculous at this point. Yeah, well, and as again, we'll get to that 1500 finish, which um, it was close, but even the 800 finish and, you know, silver medal to you and, and with Ahmed Hafnawi obviously winning again, such a close race. Uh, after the 400 and then seeing what he was going there, did that change your mindset in terms of what he might be capable of coming into this or did that not play a factor? Did you still have your race plan and your strategies and what you needed to execute? Um, I knew what I was going to do regardless of if he was swimming out of his skin or not, uh, just because I've watched all like the Wellbrocks, the Bobby Finks, Gugorio Palchineris, Romanchuk. I've watched them race year after year. And they, you know, swim those. They're consistently on those seven thirty nines. I knew I could probably smoke that. I knew a couple of us boys would smoke that. And uh, like you got Lucas Mans, he swam a good four hundred. I knew he was going to be great. Dan Whiffin's coming in. Costa the Brazilian, he's a phenomenal swimmer. And obviously, half now, I knew, I knew he was going to be in it. Like after that four hundred, you can't go three forty and not do a good eight hundred. So yeah, um, the game plan was pretty much the same. Yeah, I'm interested with coming away from that. You don't need to give too much away, but did you did you notice or did you see anything in terms of in and out of the walls? That I, I, I found just watching it, if it was a race between the flags and flags, you were on top of things, but coming in and out of the walls, he managed just, just to put a little bit on you, which almost was ended up being the margin in the end. It wasn't so much that he swam that much faster. It was just the skill areas. You're, again, someone who's very analytical. Is that something you watched and came away with and thought, okay, there's still areas here that I can – if we're 11 months, 10 months away and I've got still some areas that I need to keep improving. I mentioned Flynn. You're still a young guy yourself. It's not as if you're an old fogey yeah. there, mate. You've still got plenty of room for improvement and, and areas for maturity in terms of your racing. Is that something you came away with looking at and, and thinking, okay, I can sort of improve this? Yeah, definitely. I think if uh, 18-year-old Sam was in there uh, like a year prior, I would have gotten even more annihilated on those turns. I think my turn times already this year, I think are 0.3 faster than they were last year per turn. And they obviously can improve a lot more. It's a working progress. And, you know, you compare the race, he's a lot bigger. He's taller than me. He's going to have easier and better turns than me but i can definitely still improve mm. and particularly the dive as well and turns they're all big improvement areas and so it's not even much of the swimming bit as you said it's definitely the skills and damo's already started hammering me on that like he's if you're not going to swim far at the moment you're going to be nailing your skills that's just how it is and yeah i definitely did watch it i saw my i saw myself turning in front of him him pushing off in front of me and it just kept repeating the whole 800 um yeah, well, it's, it's as you said, it's, there's definitely room for improvement and you've got the time there. It's it's not as if, you know, you're running out of time. You've got more than enough and you're already improving, as you said, to your own point a year ago. Um, you know, you probably would have gotten beaten by further, but you've improved your, your skill areas to the point where it came down to a touch. Um, so there's no doubt uh, in another 11 to 10 months time with the way you approach your swimming, mate, I, I can't see that not improving. Um Finishing the week with a fifteen hundred, how much? What's that? What's that like? Because you know, when I swam, I was I was a horrible swimmer, and I never went anything more than about four laps in a short course pool. So, what, give us average punters uh, a heads up into terms of you've had a big week emotionally, physically. What's it like trying to get up for a 1500 when you already know, maybe some of us behind the scenes are sitting there going, I wonder what this is going to be like. You had a pretty fair idea of what that 1500 was going to probably be like in terms of the times and the speed that these guys are going to go. So you knew you're going to have to throw down. You knew where you were at. What's, what's it like? Give us a, an insight into finishing the week with a 1500. Yeah, it's tough, you know, the biggest one at the end. I actually am glad it's at the end because I think if you had the 1500 at the start, uh, it is a very taxing event. Like you can, you're out, I was out for a couple of days after mine. Um, and, you know, I did obviously two really fast 800s and taxing 800s, two very fast 400s. So my body was 
under a lot of stress. I had two days to recover and try and get my head together for uh, the heat. And, you know, the heats weren't easy to get through. I went 14.53 and only got sixth into the final. And that was the fastest heat swim I've ever done uh, ever in, in the yeah. morning. So, uh, and actually, funny enough, a lot of people kind of wrote me off after that heat. Everyone was like, oh, well, he's, he's tired. He's not going to do well. Um, and, I, you know, I was thinking, all right, like you can think that, but I'm going to be <laughs> fine. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and I knew going to the finals in lane seven, I knew half now I would swim out of his skin. I think his PB going in was 15 minutes. <laughs> I knew his, I actually was joking around in the week. I was like, this guy's going to drop more than 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I knew Bobby Fink was going to kill it. Uh, and obviously Dan Whiffen swam really well this year. Um, I knew he was going to be up there and you can never ride off Lucas Martins or a Mantrick, right? So mm. it was a stacked field. I knew I was, I had a game plan. I spoke to Damien. I wasn't very happy how I swam my heat. I kind of dropped my rate and got caught in the cat and mouse game, which I'm not good at. You know, I need to keep the tempo up and keep pumping out, pumping out the times and repping it. Um, so in the final, I really committed. I really attacked the first 800. Very happy how I did that. You know, I flipped at 7.45, one at the 800, got to the, I think they passed me at the 1,000 meter mark. And I could see that I was in third and I was not expecting to be in that position at, with one 500 left. I thought, oh, I'm either swimming really well, these guys are not swimming very fast. And so obviously I was happy and my plan was, you know, get to the last 500 and just race, like just see how much I can hurt myself. Because if anyone that's listening has done a 1500, it's, it's, it's different type of pain. Uh, it's, it's just different. And, you know, I'd do it again tomorrow if I, I got the chance because I loved it. And, you know, I was willing to fight for that bronze medal because I saw I had a little bit of a gap on Dan and, I know if he was probably right there in the last 50, I definitely would have found another gear for sure. Uh, but I definitely saw those two boys in the middle just keep descending and descending those times, which I have no doubt, you know, with another year of training, you know, I am the, I was the youngest in the field. I can get to that point, but it was, I rewatched the race recently and, you know, it is really impressive. I get to the 1200, I'm still kind of there. Yeah. And then they just really start dropping the times and, it's just yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> as you said, you took it out. You were certainly you, you weren't you weren't scared of putting it all on the line, um, and you did a phenomenal job. And there was one thing I I, I caught, and I don't know. Sometimes I read too much into these after swim uh, talks, but <clears throat> for me, that was a race where you seemed almost excited to have a year to go to try and do better than what you'd just done. It, it seemed like you had, even though there was pain, obviously, at finishing at 1,500, and <clears throat> it's a long week, but there was just a bit of a, uh, for me, just in your face, like a bit of excitement, like I've got 12 months to see if I can improve that. And I, I think based off what I just did, I, I can improve that. And it was almost like you, you sort of already had a rough idea of what you could do to improve. Is that something you've taken away and you just said you've re-looked at it? Is there certain areas, and you don't have to give anything away, but is there certain areas that you think, okay, I can improve here and improve here and I'm actually excited about racing it and, and heading to Paris? Yeah, um, obviously the skills, 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 skills. Uh, holding the rate, not getting too excited early. Like you can, I can still go at that time, but I was probably too forced almost. I was too eager to start, get out there and prove everyone wrong. So kind of managing those emotions. And I'm sure it'll be more of a race in um, at the Olympics. I'm sure there'll be more boys down below that 1434 mark. So it'll be on. Uh, and yeah, very excited, just more aerobic training. And it's, you know, it's facts that, if you, the more you train aerobics over the years, you just get a bigger and bigger base. That's why you're seeing more longevity in these distance swimmers. So uh, I was very excited. My goal time going in was actually a 14.39. That's what I've been training for. So I was stoked to break 14.40. Only two Australians. Well, one one before me I had, and that was Grant Hackett. So I'm mm. um, alongside, you know, my idol's company, and it was great. That's why I was stoked and very excited because I know in that that was a what was that nine second PB right there, and I did. So I only have to drop what seven more seconds, and which sounds like a lot, but you know I'm only nineteen, so I'm still maturing, and I can still train more. And I have no doubt uh, next year or the year after, I'll definitely be able to get down towards that fourteen thirty mark. And I'm pretty confident that the time to win 
uh, Paris will be sub 1430. Yeah, well, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, in terms of progression, yeah, absolutely. As, as I said, you're still only young, mate, and I, I know the way your brain works and, and how sort of determined you will be to keep pushing your limits and pushing your bar and raising the bar, and, and that's not going to stop you. Uh, and as I said, I, <clears throat> there's definitely a bit of excitement after that because I, I think you you sort of know what you can do to improve that and where those drops can can come from. And as you said, it can be quite as easy as just increasing your speed turns and uh, your turns getting them faster. Um, the the level of competition in the 1500 or in distance racing is actually quite scary at the moment. It's exciting for you. You're amongst it. But I, I know, we and we've talked about um, – the history of, of swimming in the 1500 and quite often there was always especially from an Australian perspective there was an Aussie out in front and just blowing everyone away and it wasn't that close every now and then it'd get close but more often than not it was a, a one-horse race and away we go you know you cut to a couple of commercials throughout the race and and then they'd come back and the commentators would tell a joke and a bit of a story and it was no disrespect to the 1500 just there was already a winner and it was, you know, trying to do your best to keep the, the, the audience engaged. Well, that's no longer the case because now you have to watch and, and you proved that because you're out in front and then the boys caught you and then it was a, you know, a two horse race to the end and then you're there for third and then people are trying to catch you for third. You had to watch. There was twists and turns throughout that whole race. That must be exciting for you because you're a part of that as well and you're a part of that storytelling at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 1500 is Australia's race. If you talk to anyone that, you know, particularly like my dad's era, like they, everyone knows who Thorpe is. Everyone knows who Hacky is. Everyone knows who Kieran Perkins is. Majority of per people know like the Kowalskis, the Housemans, Stephen Holland. They all know them. They're, they're Australia's, it's Australia's race really. Um, and that's why I'm training it. I, I love it. I love watching it. I love the strategy in it. And you know, I when I rewatched the race, there was like a shot on the stream where it kind of panned across the field, and like you just see like lane one's a legend, lane two's a legend, lane three's epic, lane four's a man, lane five's even better, and this goes across and it's just really cool to watch. Like all these big names stepping up and racing, and yeah, I think it's awesome. That's why I'm still going to train it and love racing it, just because it's very exciting to watch. And I've had even sprinters come up to me and saying that that was amazing. Like that was awesome. Like you're in that race. It's just a great time to be a distance swimmer. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great time to watch it. As I said, you know, more often than not uh, from an audience perspective, it was, uh, there was one or two out in front, but yeah, you could kind of come back and it'd be sort of, it's like watching a home and away, right? You can come back in three days time and the same stories playing out. There's always still the leader. There's always not anymore. As I said, certainly from this race, there was the lead changed who was coming into third changed. It, it's an exciting race. Um, and and makes me even more excited to watch it next year. Training for the 400, 800, 1500, I'm assuming it'll be the 200 as well. well. What's a week in heavy training look like for you these days? I'm, I'm assuming it's very different to what I got to watch you train back in the day where you're building your engine and building your capacities. And as you said, that aerobic base that you set up really well as a young swimmer at, at Albany Creek with Rich. These days, training would have adapted, evolved, changed. What's a week look like for you, especially in heavy training, given the volume you've got to cover? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's changed. Uh, for like particularly, typically Monday is 400 pace day. Uh, well, say we're 12 weeks out from the competition. Monday is typically 400 pace, very hard sessions, like probably one of the worst. <laughs> like 200, I have a big kick set in the morning, uh, at night. Speed set, I short fast just because, you know, you can't win races if you're not fast. Wednesday is typically recovery. Thursday, big kick pull set and really big 1500 set. Uh, they're very hard. I've done some very crazy stuff and no one in my squad is jealous of that they have to do <laughs> at all. Uh, and, you know, Friday is a ruck aerobic in the morning and then Saturday morning's 200 pace and I still like training that 200 because I still believe if I did it at, two, at Wells in the real I could have thrown down a very good split, but it doesn't really fall well in my program at the moment because I'm still young. I'm trying to manage such big distances racing. So um, I do still love training and racing 200 every now and then. Yeah, it's a, it takes a different mindset. Do you, do you believe that? Do you get around a lot of distance athletes, certainly in these camps and that sort of stuff and in your training program, there's a couple around. And do you feel like distance swimmers, they're just built different mentally as well? I don't think it's normal 
to smile when you're talking about a 1500 as as you are and some of the kilometers not that you're abnormal mate but i just think it takes a different <laughs> type of mindset as you would probably you know, recognize do you find that when you get around swim camps with distance swimmers that there is a different mentality around being really good at distance swimming you know you've um certainly in in conversations and chats through text with a grant hackett and some other of the great uh olympians did you find sometimes when you're talking to people like oh i'm connecting here this is someone who gets what i'm talking about because as you said there's definitely no one sitting over there watching some of these big sets of yours going geez i wish i could do that where you're going <laughs> yeah give me more give me more i, I love it and i want more yeah uh, definitely a different mindset uh is you can definitely tell when you're speaking to a distance swimmer. Uh, it's just or distance athlete like running. I'm sure is the same. Uh, it, it's just like I remember watching or listening to one of Grant Hackett's podcasts he did a while ago, and I forgot where it was from. And he was talking like he wa- he wants to break his competition. He wants to he wants to dominate the race and the sets he'd do. He just he just not, he didn't want anyone near him. He wanted to dominate. He wanted to see how far he could push people back on the pool. And, you know, I just love that. And I'm like, that's, that's me. That's what I want to attack my races like. And, you know, you talk to the, that massive German squad over there training the house down. Like, they're all trying to beat each other. They're trying to see who can outwork everyone. And you can't fluke a distance swim. You can't fluke a 400, 800, or 1500. You need a lot of training and a lot of hard work. And you can't do it many times in the year because it's just that taxing on your body. And I think that's something that's really cool about distance swimming is the amount of work required behind it. And, you know, the whole 1500 final at Worlds, you already know that those all, the whole rate field would have been absolutely grinding for six months out and just throwing down some crazy sessions. And I think that's cool. I love seeing other sessions that good distance athletes um, are doing. You know, I talked to Moesha Johnson, who's training at, in Germany with that squad. And we always talk about what we've done or like what sessions we're doing. And it's just really awesome. Well, mate, much respect, as I said, because not only do you go through it, you go through it with a smile and you want more. I'm sure not every single day, but more often than not, I would say there's a fair percentage that you've got a smile on your face on the inside and you're enjoying it. So I respect the hell out of that. Uh, It's something that personally I don't think I could go through. So, you know, being able to see your um, progression as a junior athlete and now beginning able to watch as a fan from the outside, uh, there's a lot of respect there for sure. Now, I mentioned a lot on here about uh, on the podcast about the Aussie girls and the phenomenal talent that we've got coming through, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Aussie boys as well and Kyle's gold, Cam's gold, yourself with a gold medal, the relay success. Uh, you mentioned as well uh, in terms of the vibes being around it, rooming with Flynn. How, how proud are you to be with a bunch of boys at the moment that are, are throwing down, they're working hard, there seems to be a great team culture as well. Obviously, the girls are in and around that as well. But as I said, I've I've given the girls lots of flowers here on the podcast. I want to give it to the boys now. How how proud of you to be a part of, of the boys' team at the moment? Oh, it is a great time to be an Australian man on the Dolphins team. It like me and Flynn were kind of talking in training camp. Like, you know, we don't want to put the mocker on things, but you know, if best case scenario, we could literally win the 50, win the hundred, you know, 200 will be very hard. You got David Popovich in there, but we could win the 400, get a medal in the eight and the medal in the 15. Like that is not far fetched at all. And we did, you know, Cam won the 50, Kyle won the hundred. Um, the 200 is coming, you know, Flynn and Kyle, uh, Kai are very young and Tommy Neal, my training partner, yep. they're coming and me, the 400, I knew like I was up there, silver medal on the 800, bronze medal on the 1500, like Australian men got a medal in every single freestyle event. It is like, uh, when's the last time that happened? A lot, probably not, maybe two Sydney 2000. Uh, it's just awesome. I think. And, you know, the boys got up in the relay, they got a medal in the four by two, the four by one one medley um it's just great and you know the girls get a lot of credit as they should they're just dominating yeah uh, but i think the boys are kind of getting to that stage too a, me- a medal in nearly every single freestyle event is very hard and i don't think another country did that at world championships so yeah no as i said mate well, I-, I give a lot of flowers to the girls on this podcast and as you said rightly so and and the depth in women's um swimming here in australia and certainly women's sprinting is just crazy but um 
you know, as I said, I'd be remiss if not to give to the boys as well because you boys did a phenomenal job over there in Fukuoka. Um, what lessons did you take away from the world champs? You, you had a successful week. There's no doubt about that. I'm not sort of throwing any sort of shade at that. You, you did phenomenally well. But uh, as I said, I, I know how your brain works and we'll get to your coach in a minute. And I, I feel like he'd be pretty switched on in terms of, okay, that was great. But moving forward what can we do to get better what did you bring away from it that you think okay all right these are the things i've got to implement we mentioned turns was there something else other than the skill areas um i think uh definitely leading into the competition uh i it was kind of weird like nothing was you kind of expect something a little hiccup along the way but nothing kind of happened and i was almost got worried about that which is weird so i think just trusting the process and trusting myself i really have to be able to nail um every time and I think uh, like not getting caught up in the competition like I was in, remember I was in marshalling room for my races and I was looking around and was like this is crazy like look at the names around me this is awesome <laughs> I was watching these people on TV like three years ago four years ago so um, I think that's great I think I handled it well um, so mainly positives um, positive lessons for taking away but I think you know the big one is obviously the turns and the skills uh, I have a lot of work to do in that and um, oh, there was something else. I kind of forgot, but uh, <laughs> I, I t- I've taken away a lot of lessons and um, definitely I've implemented a lot of the lessons I've learned over the last year. That is kind of what and how I got my success in Fukuoka. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. You know, when we're looking forward to 2024 and certainly the trials there, you've got to get on that team and um, I've no doubt you will, but this last 12 months, as you said, from what you learned in 2022 and then you've implemented and then we saw the the success in Fukuoka. So no doubt these lessons you're taking away, you're going to implement. Uh, Damien Jones, your coach, um, what what's your relationship working with him like? I've had Tommy Neal on the podcast before and uh, I'm getting a feel for, for Demo as a coach. I met him a few times when I coached up there, so we, we know each other, but I wouldn't know him as a coach in terms of on deck and what he's like and the analytical mind of him or the, the sort of man manager of him behind the scenes. What's it been like working with, with Damo, and especially for you um, sort of coming of age and maturing as well through this time of transitioning into to Damo's program as well? Yeah, so I went to Damo when I was 16 uh, and, you know, still in school. And um, it was from the get-go, I, was, I really loved it. You know, I was – Tommy Neal was swimming. He was at Junior Wells or still cleaning up the juniors uh, when I joined. And it was a great atmosphere. and It was a very hard-working atmosphere and everyone was throwing down some really impressive stuff. And I really loved the way Damo um, – you know, he pushed me when I needed to be pushed and he's very hard on me, which is what I love. That's what I need. And except he knows when to, you know, talk to me, ask me what's up or like when to not go hard, when to take a break, when to really commit to something. Uh, and I think it's just great like that. I can talk to Damo as a mate. Um, like we went to the footy, me, him, our assistant coach and Tommy just to celebrate things uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which unfortunately my favourite team, Para, got smoked in. But <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, well, we he can he's my mate, but he's also, you know, my coach and you know he can tell when if he tells me to do something i'll do it you know i've got to listen to him i trust his judgment the whole way and you know he's improved my i went from 353 in the 400 in 2020 in 2020 on 353 and i got that down to a 340 340 point in three years so um the improvement's been insane and that's all credit to damien at rackley so it's just amazing atmosphere and we're getting more athletes um, as well. Meg Harris has joined. We're getting a couple of boys. Uh, we had Noah Camp had a young distance swimmer from Tasmania. Uh, it's just great time to be a part of the squad. Yeah, as I said, I, I wanted to make sure I gave um, Damo a shout out on the podcast and certainly the work with yourself. Um, but the last time we chatted was a very different conversation in terms of the program and where you're at. But I know now with your development, as you said, you've been there for three years and the progression has been phenomenal and he definitely uh, deserves high praise for that uh, and the hard work that he's doing and, and developing a great program and one that people want to go be a part of. So congratulations to Damo and the whole coaching team there at Rackley. What wouldn't we know about your coach? Um. He loves fantasy football. He's very competitive about that. He didn't win the grand finals the other day. So another uh, 
actually coach our biomechanist at QAS. He actually won the fantasy football. So he was pretty <laughs> filthy about that. Um, yeah, and he, he just loves being an Aussie. He loves being an Australian. Like Australia Day is his favourite day of the year, I reckon. So. Oh, that's very good. Um, certainly having a day off is nice too. Do you guys get many days off on sort of public holidays and things like that? What's a public holiday look for a, an Australian Dolphins team member? Do you have to still do a one a day? Do you still have to get in? Is it business as usual? Uh, yeah, kind of. I know for Australia Day, it's typically, you know, we, we'll, we'll kind of sneak into the pool because um, Clyde doesn't open until much later in the day. We'll get in there early and we end up having like a big session on Australia Day. He just loves it. He play. We sing the national anthem at the start. We are <laughs> uh, like rigging candles, have like a little ceremony, and then we um, do a big session. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but we definitely train. I mean, over New Year's we'll probably have a couple day, couple days off. Uh, but you know, it's still training really for us. Yeah, no, mate. Of course, uh, would expect nothing less. Now we mentioned earlier. Uh, there's World Cups coming up. There's a World Champs next year in Doha, which is strange to say after we just talked about the World Champs and that's the lead-up to the Olympics. And there's a lot of different things going on. What's the road to Paris or certainly Paris trials look like for you following, you know, the success in Fukuoka? Do you have a rough idea of it? Have you guys sat down and you don't have to give too much away, as I said, but do you have a rough idea of what your sort of road to the trials and to Paris looks like? Yeah, so I'm going to put in a pretty decent – you know, six-week block here, just try and get my fitness back up. And uh, then I'm going to Budapest for the last leg um, of the World Cups because, you know, I got the opportunity to go and I really love racing and want to practice racing. Uh, and also I love Budapest, so that's why I'm going there. Uh, and then, you know, I've got a training camp uh, going with Miami Swim Club and Rackley uh, Centenary to Rocky, which will be really good, throwing some big work there. Uh, we'll uh, probably have attack states. Queensland States, it's always fast leading into the Olympics. It's always someone does something crazy there. So I'm sure everyone will be watching that as well. Uh, I might do some weird events there just because why not? It's only States. And then, um, you know, all systems go for the Olympics. That's my priority is the trials. Um, so I'm not going to Doha. I don't think many dist big distance swimmers are from around the world will probably go to Doha just because, you know, why you've got to keep all your – eggs for the big show, right? Um, yeah. You can't do two of the big 1500s. So I definitely won't be doing Doha, but maybe a couple domestic meets, nationals in April, I want to throw down some fast times like I did this year. And then, you know, onwards to trials and, and you know, Olympic trials was my first big high pressure, high pressure meet. I remember 2021 is very intense and I'm looking forward to getting there and being a big factor. What's uh, a weird event look like for you at State? Um, well, I think Dana was trying to get me to enter back in the 200 fly. I used to do it when I was Yes, younger. I remember watching you win National Age 200 yeah. fly. I still remember there was a rough, there was a, a, game, a race planned because there was a boy that was a bit quicker than you and you get the, the rate was going to rate yeah, up yeah. And, and, you know, get him to lactate too high and then it, it came off and then away you went and, and you killed it. So, yes, I was hoping, I asked that question specifically hoping you were going to say 200 fly. Yeah, I'll probably try and have a crack at the sort of fly. Um, Damien wants to see me hurt in the form that I am. My breaststroke leg is horrendous. So um, that'll be a bit of fun. Um, I might still do like a 400 and 800. We'll see how I feel. Probably 200 too. Um, but that's just re tough racing. Won't be rested at all. Deep in the hole. Um, yeah, that's how it'll be. Um, you know, it's good fun. Um, my one of my last questions for you, mate, is and we talked about some of your favourite sets before, but that like in the last time you're on, but that was three years ago. You've evolved, you've experienced, you've matured, you've been to different staging camps, you've been to different coaches, you've learned. Do you have any new sort of favourite sets that you love to get around? Obviously, I think you know you sort of used to typically do a lot of the um dennis cottrell type grand hackett sets they were some of your favorite yeah. 1500 sets are they still some of your favorite sets or you got some new ones that you just for the you know for the analytical coaching minds out there they love to hear this stuff on the podcast other parents fall asleep around this time but some people mm -hmm. really enjoy it so have you got any new ones for us um well i you know the, i love before a big meet doing a broken 15 where i'll do like a dive 200 on short rest, push 500. I do a big 500 block and then I do eight ones send. And I know uh, before uh, Worlds, what I did in that, I was I knew I was on when I did that. I was crazy. And I love broken 400s. But I remember I do love 12 400s on like, I think it's like 445. 
and um, every third is like fast, but it, you descend throughout the whole. So th- six is fast, and three, then nine, then twelve is really fast. Yeah, remember in April, I think we started racing on the Monday, no, on the Sunday, and on the Thursday afternoon, I had that. I did the twelve four hundred set, and it was like. I had done no race pace at current point in time and it was like on 4.45 and it just, I was like, oh, damn it. Like, are we really doing this? I got a 400 free in three days. I want to race fast. And he's like, yeah, man. Like, you're going to be perfectly fine. We'll crunch this. And then, um, yeah, ended up, I think I pushed like 3.59 at the end of DTs, which, um, you know, is pretty good at the end of a big set like that. And yeah. so that was my first time under four minutes in DTs at the end of a session, which is pretty good. Um, and then I ended up three days later pushing a 342, uh, no, diving a 342 at that national. So then after that, I was like, oh, maybe that is one of your favorites. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, it's very impressive stuff. Um, equally as impressive is uh, our interview and, and the way you've conducted yourself today. Now, not many people know this, but last time when you were on, you were such a young whippersnapper that we actually did a bit of a run through before you even jumped on and we jumped on. We talked about some of the questions like, oh, okay, yep, no, no, I'm good. Um, yeah. It's exciting to see your your maturity, your progression, your evolution of you as an athlete, but as a person and a young man. Uh, absolutely smashed it today. I've loved having you on for a chat. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there because it's a PB. Mate, we've PB'd it, so I don't, I don't want to keep going. We'll, we'll ruin it if I ask any more questions. They'll be stupid. Um, mate, absolute pleasure to have you on for a chat. As I said, I'm really proud of of you and, and what you achieved over in Fukuoka, and I know a lot of the listeners to the Off the Block Swimming podcast, um, they, they're absolutely right behind you as well. Um, congrats on all the success. It's thoroughly deserved. Everyone that's listened to this can hear it with the amount of work and the intensity that you do it at. Can't wait to see what's happening over the next 10 months, mate, and all those little things that we've talked about and how they play out. Um, but thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swim podcast again. No, thank you for having me. I've loved it. Cheers, mate. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. I just wanna-